0: Hi, you guys. Welcome to the Havila Podcast. I'm Havila, your host, and I'm really excited that you're here. Because we are starting a brand new series this month. And it's something I've been anticipating that it's going to be the perfect fall launch. Like Mm. the thing that you need to get going and really get that fall under control. Because if you're like me, it's hard to navigate school and work and finances and food and, you know, all the things. So my suggestion is go get your walking shoes on. Pop on those earbuds, maybe even get that cup of coffee, and let's spend the next few minutes go, really diving into what I think is very important and it's purpose driven habits. Okay, so this series is something that I could not do alone. Like when I think about habits and I think about transformation, I cannot help but think of my friend, Jenna Zent. Jenna Zent is, well, she, we've been friends for a long time. We started in a core group. She ran her own business. Um, she, I, I saw her when she had babies. She saw me when I was coming out of postpartum and, mm-hmm. and all the things. And, and we really started doing life together for many years. And um, I'll let her share her whole story. But what I do know is, is that I watched her have this transformation. There's nothing like a front seat to a friend that you know, it's not insta filtering Mm -hmm. their transformation, but actually going through the work, doing the hard stuff. I watched her, we cried together. We laughed together. I watched her make hard decisions and I watched her transform and really become really, I thought she was powerful, but she was like way more powerful at the end of this. And I saw her lead her life in a way that was so evident. I wanted in Then she started hosting these classes for girls in the community, and that class grew to the point where I just saw my friends that were her friends getting this transformation, and I'm like, I want in on this. And so I signed up in January to take one of her classes, not knowing how brilliant it would be, how critical to the thing that I needed in my life. And by the time I walked out of that class, I was sold and I thought, everybody needs to know about this. This is profound because everybody likes habits, right? We have all these really popular books that are out there. And, you know, if you haven't read a habit book, I don't know where you live because it's (laughs) everywhere. Uh, But, you know, how do we manage habit and faith? How do we manage habit and being spirit led and all the things? And Jenna just does that perfectly. So before we jump into like the content and the workshop, I want to welcome Jenna to the podcast. podcast and I just, well, first of all, Jenna, thanks for being at the podcast. (laughs)
1: Thanks for having me. I've already like awkwardly giggled like four times. I'm like, shoot, I was supposed to be quiet. I'm like, I was a hot mess. We did cry.
0: We did. It's really funny when you think about it on podcasts, I'm always listening. Like, are people laughing? Are they a hung Because yeah. my husband once said, stop a hung I'm like, oh yeah, note to self. <laughs> uh, but listen, I know that we, we have a ton of content to get into and this is going to be a three week series. So if you're just jumping in today, great. You're at the starting point. Um, and, stick with us subscribe so you can follow along because there's a lot that we're doing together uh, for the month of September but Jenna let's talk about habits transformation how did you get into this because this was not on your radar habits and and all that wasn't so how did this start
1: Actually, I'm kind of a free spirit, if you will. (laughs) I used to be like, what am I? What's a good verbiage? And I just didn't have a ton of structure because I had a really high value for connection. And I thought, you know, now I know this in hindsight, I wouldn't have had the words for it like pre-process, but I was like, oh, structure is the antithesis of connection. Like you have to choose. They're at odds with each other. So I chose connection because I saw people who almost idealized structure. I got hurt by it and to the detriment of connection. So I kind of lived my life in reaction to that. So I had a like prioritized connection, which was beautiful. Like my marriage was thriving. My community was amazing. Um, I had so much fun with my kids, but the flip side is that in the other areas I was living very chaotically. So Honestly, my house was a hot mess (laughs) all the time because I was like, there's no connection with your house. So this is the bottom of the barrel. Um, And it was just kind of a whirlwind of chaos. I was, I kind of felt like I was flying by the seat of my pants all the time because I was in the moment and I wasn't thinking ahead because I couldn't be as present, all these things. I think, um, and then what came to a head was I had this business um, called Turbans for Tots and I have since sold it, but we were at this really um, crucial point in the business where we had to let everybody go. Like all the things that had been working with our Pinterest sales, like everything that had been working to like generate revenue just changed all the algorithms. And it was like this, okay, am I going to keep doing this? Or do I want to sell it to someone else? Am I going to reinvest? I had done it for eight years or is it time? Is there a transition happening? And um, so as we did that, we lost like 60% of our salary because we just made it bare bones to get it ready to sell and have to reinvest. And it was, man, nothing like going, we had a staff of 18, and then all of a sudden, and it was like a 1200 square foot office, and then went back to my house, it was just me, and we kicked my four-year-old out of his room, he lived with all my kids, we have a four-bedroom house, but in that season, we were living so tight, we were renting one room, everybody else was in the other room, and then the office where I was sewing by myself, instead of all my employees sewing for me, and in that season, like, I just felt this awareness of, like, well, one, I remember like the first week going into it when it was like none of my staff was there. It was just me. And I was like, can I even do this? Like, do I have the skill set to be customer service, product development, marketing, all of like, I don't know. I honestly had broken a lot of trust with myself and hadn't really had to face it because I was able to cover it by paying people on some level. And then it was like, oh, it's just me. And I felt like this overwhelmed, like almost like hopelessness. I'm like, can I do this? And I felt like the Lord was like, hey, there are areas that you're gonna to have to grow in. Like there are lids you've had. Like there are areas that you are thriving in, but there are areas you're underdeveloped in. And like this is your opportunity. Are you gonna use it to grow and go after areas that you've kind of relegated as hopeless, like just this is who I am, or like can you lean in so that they're not forever following you around? And I just said yes, and that looked very simply like showing up and doing the hard things and. Um, running it solo for four, four months by myself. And in that time I listened to um, my first like behavior science book about habits. And then I got hooked because I love where like theory meets practical and I love brain science. And even um, the concept now with habits that you'll read universally is that you're supposed to start small for like big change, for transformation, for action steps. We also often want to start really big because it's kind of like Western culture, you know, like go big or go home, right? (laughs) All or nothing, like all those things. And just reading book after book, I'm like, oh, that's actually the opposite of how our bodies and brains are designed. Like it's repetition and practice. And it's the small things that actually make people experts. Like read this one book about, um, they did, a, they ca- it's called the talent code and they researched all these talent hotbeds. So like this one place in another country that produces all the tennis pros and then golf pros and then basketball and little league and um, violinists, all the things. And what they found, like the key part of all of them is that they, they would have this, um, they all had different versions, but they would do deep practice where they would only do one thing for weeks. So like the tennis kids weren't allowed when they were new, they weren't allowed to have a tennis ball for months because they were just working on their swing. And the ball was like the next step. Or the violinists were only, like if they were learning a new song, they would cut every row of the music sheet and just make them practice for weeks on one row because it's the small repetition where we actually... Um, actually, create new pathways in our brain. So when I heard that, like when I heard, oh, I've been trying this wrong for so long. I've had these grand plans where I'm going to roll out new change, but they're huge. I was like, I actually needed to go back to being offensively small with like some of the action steps I was taking. I felt a lot of hope. And then it was just like the course of a year and a half, slowly walking that out. And it started with my house because that was the area that I was like the hot, most hot mess in. And then after like quite a few months, actually, I was so bad that I would have friends come over.
0: (laughs) You know this story. This is my favorite story. And I'd be like
1: cleaning my butt off for two hours so that it looked not toxic (laughs) of
0: an environment, you know?
1: And then one time my friend sat down and she was like, oh, I'm so glad you're comfortable enough with me to like not clean up before I came over. (laughs) I was like, ouch. <laughs> in that moment. What do you do, Havilet? Right. Do you like say, right. actually, <laughs> I worked really hard and this is my best effort? No, I was just smiled. I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> so, anyways, to fast forward, like, I just saw like I started with making my bed, running my dishwasher every night, and starting a load of laundry every morning. Like those were just my and I saw this major change without a lot of effort, like really small changes leading to huge impacts in my world and then building momentum after I just dialed in those for like a month, then was able to build to more. And then all of a sudden I had all these systems and rhythms in place that I never had before that automated those areas. And at first I was like, great, like habits kind of relegated them to the more like, I don't know, like structured or linear parts of my life. So like housekeeping or meal planning or fitness. But as I started seeing, like, did you point this tool at those areas? I was like, what else can I use? It's almost like you find a wand. You're like, what else can I point this (laughs) at and see change? So then I started applying it to like relationships, like my marriage, because I'm a mom with three small kids and I've never felt like I had enough time. So um, doing some small, like what would be a small change that I'm just pointing myself at my husband where I'm actually growing in love, not just hoping to grow in love, but systematically making some efforts and steps towards growing in love towards him and seeing that change. So yeah, it was like really the change for me was how much my environment was a hot mess Then, seeing without like a ton of like, I don't know, like strong arming myself into it or really big overhauls. Like I still was Jenna, just a tidier version. And I didn't have to lose the things I love, like prioritizing connection. Actually, if anything, I got more honest that like my, the chaos that I lived in meant that my connection didn't always get, like whatever was the most urgent got my priority rather than my connection. So it's like, oh yeah, some days, like three days out of the week, I was playing with my kids. And then the fourth day, because my dishes hadn't been done for three days, we're like (laughs) the stack. And then I'd have to do that and not play with my kids. And then, oh, laundry's been neglected for a week. So this, it almost was like, I had a more honest perspective of like, oh, I actually think like I could find some structures enough that I'm still who I am, but they like, I get back margin in those areas so that I can actually prioritize connection and the things that matter to me more.
0: Yeah, I, I, I love that. And, you know, I think one of the things that hit me early on was that you you kind of tackled shame, like right away, where you were like, I need to actually, what what am I telling myself about this? And I don't want to fast forward what you, what you want to share, but I think it's really important to understand that this wasn't like a moment of success. This was a moment yeah. of like, I'm in a bedroom making headbands. I've had to let go of my friends, my staff that are friends. You know, and the last thing you want to do is cut finances when you have three kids. You know, every it's the most expensive season and you're by yourself. And I just wonder, like, it makes me emotional because I think about this part of you that's just like, it's not over. Like, I have to learn something new. Mm -hmm. And I just, I think about myself and I see myself in you in that way because it's not until you just go, I can't do this anymore. I have to figure this out. And I think many of us, We don't know where to start. So we have all this shame. We know it's not working, but we don't know where to start. And I think that's the power of what we're about to teach is like that shame doesn't have to be ignored or neglected or, you know, dismissed or hidden. Like, I think that's one thing that amazed me about how you Mm -hmm. have taught is you just acknowledge the shame and disempower it. Mm. and that is powerful and so when I think about your story I'm like I know you she hit on a lot of different things but as you guys are listening to this I watched her go from this really thriving business I mean like shark tank worthy business <laughs> to like having to let it go and then you didn't just fix it you were like okay Lord what do you want for me like I'm open and I just saw you sit and you did the work internally, and that's mm. where I hope we go this week, this this next month, I guess, in this series. And so, I'm when you talk about that, and I love it because you said it really got you what you really wanted. Because the thing you wanted, you thought you had to you had to kind of make it happen, but your habits protected what mattered most to you, yeah. which is really cool. So here's my question: When you started reading these books and you started implementing, uh, did you know that it would be life changing?
1: No, I thought it'd be housekeeping changing. <laughs> <laughs> but I think what I just started realizing is like, okay, f- I think like yeah. for an analogy, I'm such a visual picture. It feels like habits are like in the Jenga tower. They're the block by block that builds the tower. So if I want to be thriving in every area of my life, I'm going to have to closely, like they're all made up of habits, conscious and unconscious. I think we're aware yeah. of our conscious ones. And then also the second part of, that I really realized was that there are two types of habits. Most of us think about behavior habits, which are the obvious ones, like putting your shoes out every day or um, loading the dishwasher. But the thought habits are just as important because they're linked. Like what you believe to be true, you're going to act on and what you're acting on actually reflects what you believe to be true. So like having to do the work at the same time so that the habit, the behavior habits take root in that they're not planted in toxic soil of like, but I don't actually think that's possible in my thought habits. And I'm looping on just kind of waiting for myself to fail again. Like you have to look at both. So that was really big for me. And like you were saying about, um, like, did I think it was going to be that transformational of a journey? I really started with the shame because I think, I think that's the interesting part. I think a lot of us are aware of our strengths and just play into them. And that's kind of where I was at. I just over manicured, like I kind of think of life as a garden, like all the areas, you know, your marriage, your health, your finances, your relationship with the Lord, your parents, like whatever. And I was playing into the ones that I knew and understood and felt like proud of, I guess on some level, like I hadn't figured it out a bit, but the ones that I hadn't were just like overgrown because I try. like either when I looked at them, they were so far gone that I felt overwhelmed and like didn't know where to start or they... I, like there was left past attempts, uh, evidence of past attempts to change, you know, like, Oh, the the shovel's still out from the last time I decided I was going to plant tomatoes over there and (laughs) nothing's going on over there still. So it's like, I either felt shame from where I was at or felt overwhelmed with how big of a task. And I think that was the difference where I felt like the Lord turned me from like, Hey, you've been giving your attention to these areas that are really strong. And let's go look at the two areas that you've like, aren't your strengths. I actually had to have courage to be like, um, as I was walking towards those areas, if you will, metaphorically, like I felt a ton of shame. Like I should have figured this out. I'm an adult. I should have this. Like how have other people figured this out? And it's funny because like, I think sometimes people, I know there'll be people listening who relate to me like, yes, like I have thriving relationships, but like the logistics of life I haven't figured out, or I have the logistics figured out or I have the, I just think The reality, though, of doing this long enough, I've been a habit coach for a while, is everybody has an area they feel overwhelmed and stuck. They have one of those gardens that they're just not looking at. (laughs) So I think don't discount yourself if you think you've got your house. I'm like, what is another? If you're honest, what's the area that you feel stuck, overwhelmed, don't know where to start? And like, that's where I would first start. Like if we're talking about habits, that's where I'd first start is stuck in the area because I think we're like, we know we're called to be thriving in all areas of our life yeah, I think we can tend to like focus on the six, you know, and be like, don't look over here at the two, like, but this, I've got these six down, you know? So I had to first deal with the shame. Cause it's like, I almost didn't even want to go engage with them because I was so full of shame. And it was interesting as the Lord did it, he was like, Hey, there's like a difference, like almost peeling back the shame. Like, what is this voice? Like, and I just realized all these subtle judgments, like I said before, like I should have figured this out. If I was an adult, other people, it wasn't like, because I'm, I'm pretty confident, pretty happy, Mm like myself, Mm -hmm. I would not have told you before this journey that I had a big, like a a, a strong voice of shame. But after having gone on my own journey and then walked like a couple hundred people through it, I'm like, everybody has their own flavor. It's just disguised. It's like, if you've done the work... The la- like the bits of shame that are probably left influencing your internal monologue are like more subtle. Yeah. And like what I think they mostly manifest is almost like passive aggressive. <laughs> like you caught the aggressive shame that's like, you suck. And you're like, I don't suck. I'm a child of you know? God. <laughs> but like the passive aggressive ones are like, oh, like you probably should have figured this out. Like, so for instance, I'd make my bed and I made it for a few weeks. And then I remember one morning looking and like being like proud, like a minute, I'm like, good job, Jenna. You're like three weeks in. And then I hear this like subtle, oh, you probably like, but if you're an adult, you would have figured this out like in your twenties or should you really be that proud? It took you like two minutes, you know, all these things. And then I just started recognizing it for what it was shame rather than like, and I was like, Hey, you don't get a uh, vote in this. Like I'm actually proud of myself. So the first step I would say for anyone is actually kind of blatantly listening for shame to kick it out. I think it masquerades as conviction a lot, but it's actually like shame. Deflates, it doesn't motivate. Where, like, for me, because then I would wrestle, I'm like, okay, God, what's the difference between conviction of, like, I do actually want to do something about this area and shame? And I felt like the Lord was like, conviction is like, oh, like, there's more for me. And I feel inspired to go after the more versus shame kind of like makes me want to disassociate and almost like self deprecate on some level. And if I go into that, and it was funny because when I started wrestling with the, like, oh, I'm going to choose conviction when I'm like, realize there's more and I'm not living in the more rather than shame. I almost felt like wrong. Like I just get to be like, okay, I want to, I want to grow. Yeah, like I'm not living to my full potential. I want more. Um, I'm like, but I didn't beat myself up like I usually. Like it almost feels like with my words, yeah. I need to sit in it for a half day or something like that to pay the price. Honestly, it feels like not fair. But I felt like the Lord at one point with me. He was like, why do you think you can add to the work of like what was done on the cross? Wow. Like your shame, like you're beating yourself up with your thoughts and words internally, is does not add to anything that I did. Like all that's needed when you recognize an area you want to grow in, like to change it to conviction is quickly be like, oh, that's why I need a savior. Thanks God. Like you were aware of this and there's grace to do something about it. It's just that quick exchange rather than this lament that I used to do.
0: Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And I think this is why the uniqueness of I think what you do and the message that I'm desperate to kind of convey to the world is the, the behavior loop with the thought loop because we are people of faith, right? We need a savior. We, we know that renewing the mind is a discipline of, of a person of faith. It's, yeah. a, it's a believer's, uh, I, I want to say duty, but it's our responsibility to take every thought captive and go, does that line up with what God says? Is that, is that true? And that's what I think is different from just maybe a secular habit, you know, yeah. of like, just do it. You believe in yourself. The thing is like, you can't actually tell yourself who you are Really, God tells you who you are and you agree with that and then you repeat what he said to you. And mm. that's the core of the of the thought loop that turns into behavior, which means that there's mm. lasting change. And I felt like that was what I got. And and I do I know there's lots we want to go through, but I remember sitting in your class and you know, we have like 10 really highly intelligent professional people. I mean, people that own businesses, therapists. I mean, really yeah. people, you know, it wasn't like a, a group where we're like, oh, here we go, you know, and I've been in postpartum groups. I, I'm not a, against, or I'm not afraid to be in a group that maybe we are all kind of having a crisis, and so we need to be there. Um, but what surprised me was as we're having this conversation with these different ones, and I'd sat there for almost two months, I found that they were talking about being in the class, but then also going to counseling or therapy mm. or whatever it was. And I had this realization. It was like, it came to me, oh my gosh we are trying to re-raise ourselves. Mm. Like all of us that are adults, whether you're like 20 up to like 70, there's a part of us that needs to raise ourselves with compassion, without Mm. shame, without fear, without anxiety. And so a lot of us don't know what to do and we're embarrassed because we're 50 and we don't know how to fix that. Rather than, no, we all are learning to raise, re-raise ourselves because A, our caregiver didn't have the skills. They were broken. Maybe they were abusive. They also didn't live in a generation of accessibility. Um, They didn't, they weren't raised in a generation of maybe what are expected of women or men or the dynamics. So that's what I think is really profound. I think is that it's okay to re-raise yourself. It's okay that you would never, you would never shame your child for being curious and learning. So why would we do that to ourselves? Because we're just adults versus like, no, I've never been here. I don't know how to do this. And no one taught me. So even that
1: analogy that you said that you're raising yourself, like that's a lot of what I thought of, like how, how kind would I be to my daughter if she was learning to put her away, her laundry for the first time in her life? Like if she did not have this skill where before I would try to like, beat myself up for it. But like, no, I felt like the Lord was like, you're meant to show up for yourself in all these areas that you're learning and reparenting yourself the same way you're going to show up for your daughter. There's not a different standard, like as much love and grace and kindness to grow. It's almost like a greenhouse to grow. Like that's what you need to show up for yourself. And it was like, oh, and then I think it's easy sometimes like you were saying to, I think sometimes we can get stuck in what our caregivers didn't give us and become victim like yeah there's real pain there but I think where the caution is is when we slip into victimhood who just camps in the pain of the past rather than healing out of it and doing something different so like to me acknowledging some of the stuff I didn't get but being like what am I gonna like but I can give like Jesus and I can go on a journey to like heal those by reparenting learning something different acknowledging like the identity things that I was messaged and kind of unlearning them I think of so much of this is unlearning before I can build Like I have to do the work of taking down some of those.
0: Deconstructing these
1: thoughts. And then the things I was told about myself or what was possible before I can then rebuild in that area, you know?
0: And also like habits are not just, did you clean your room and did you read your Bible? Because our listeners and I know I'd be like, some of you are thriving and you're like, check, 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 check but you don't have a habit of showing your spouse love. You don't have a habit of spending time with God without a checklist. Yeah. Like if habits are more about who we want to be and how we want to show up in the world and honoring that rather than an internal list. And that's yeah. what I'm hoping Jenna and I can, because we I, I, we called it purpose-driven habits because the goal is like these habits identify or they, they line up, and the way Jenna says it, not to take her quote, I'm quote, true. but they're little votes for who we want to be. They're like a, they're a vote in the right direction. And so I'm curious, like, when we talk about habits, let's talk about how purpose and habits intersect, because that's kind of what we're going after a little bit. Totally, Literally, Jenna and I could do five sessions on just <laughs> emotional, because her and I, like, this is a process, and I, I, I felt like I was going to cry three times as our conversation, yeah. because it, it is something that has matters to me and I want, I want everyone to feel empowered to do this, but we're talking about purpose-driven habits. And so I'm curious when we talk about our purpose, why do habits matter? Yeah. It's cool because I think like, What's unique to us
1: as like children of God is that like, I would say all of us, I hope my hope would be know that we're made for something more, for something bigger. We have a calling on our life. We have purpose. We probably have words like from the Lord, from other people, from our, like ourselves that we're know we're meant to like, Oh, that's part of our destiny. So I think call it purpose, call it destiny, call it all those things. But I think there's such a disconnect sometimes from seeing the person you're meant to be or what you feel called to and where you're at. And I think that to me is where, hap- like, I'm like, oh, I felt so hopeless. Like I have these words, but I'm so stuck in motherhood or I can't, like, I don't have the time or the finances that is beyond the margin that I have. So I would either, um, I just wasn't living out of it. I was living in day-to-day survival Yep. and it was like one day I would almost relegate it to like when I, you know, when it slows down or when the seasons shift or when I'm not overwhelmed and then I'm almost 38, like realizing like it was for me probably two years ago being like, that's never going to happen. Like I'm going to have to figure out how to like get there in here, not waiting for this idealized season where all of a sudden money's enough and time's enough. And I'm like, great, let me work on that thing. You know, like my back garden. You're like, no, actually, if I'm going to live, sorry, if my (laughs) purpose was my extra activity, I'm like, oh, like, what does it look like to every, like in my current life, be continually taking steps towards my purpose and it reminds me of like the gps example is like the best that i could say where i'm saying like my purpose is this final destination like my city like that i'm going to but where i'm at it's not enough for me to just know where i want to go i have to have like a step by step how i get there and i think the habit is the daily playing out of me getting closer to my purpose and it's interesting because um one of the habits that i've done i'm reading the Bible from front to back. I always say chronological. My husband's <laughs> a very correct, precise person. And He's like, that is not chronological. And I'm like, okay, you know what I mean? <laughs> I've always hopped around. Now I'm actually doing it in order. And he's like, well, and I'm like, okay, stop. I know it's not in order too.
0: Like, the Torah is not in order. Yeah, totally. Yeah,
1: it's 100%. That. But what I've like, just keep my eyes getting drawn because we're like in September, so nine months in and we're still in the Old Testament. And all these heroes of faith, because it's just 10 minutes, which I love. Like the whole, like we talked about small impact, or small action, big impact. Like doing it for ten minutes, and then having it totally change my perception of the Lord and just like who we're called to be, and what listening to all these um, references to the Old Testament heroes that we all know, and they have big purpose and calling. But what I never like, what we all, what I glossed over was all of the small, like the process. And I think that the habit is what the process is. It's like the daily decisions. It's even like we just finished Daniel, and he was his teenage, like for years choosing to live differently with his like daily food choice so that when he, he was called he was ready. Wow. I think a lot of times like for me I over-glamorize the and suddenlys and I thought that's how I was going to get to my purpose. Is the and suddenly moments where the Lord miraculously came in, opened a door, but as I'm like reading I'm like Lord you work differently. All these and suddenlys like most of them were fo- like followed I actually can't think of one that wasn't was preceded by a lot of process. And in the process where those little habits of like keeping, you know, all this, like, I think about the sacrifices, like how many, like, it's like a butcher shop of the Old Testament. (laughs) Like how many times a day, how many goats were you killing every day? But realizing like those were habits that kept their awareness on what made them right to have relationship with the Lord. I'm like, if I lose those, how will I, like it it was built into the Old Testament where I just thought it was a bunch of, and suddenly, so here I am in waiting mode not engaging in process, just waiting for my in suddenly moment. So for me, the Lord was like, okay, what do you want to do about it? Like, instead of waiting, kind of almost being imparked, like how can I thrive in all areas and get unstuck? So, um, he just started calling my attention to areas that I had settled, whether it was due to circumstance, being overwhelmed life or shame. And for me, the areas that got flagged that I needed to work on were ones that had statements like, this is just who I am. Or this is what my marriage is. Or this is what my relationship my mom will always be. And I felt like the Lord was like, at one point, I think maybe I had gotten there out of being gracious and, like, dealing with some past pain and being real about what it really was rather than trying to, like, slap a platitude on it. You know, like, it'll be fine. All things do crap, You know, whatever. <laughs> I think I had to make some, like, real adjustments to pain. But I had slipped out. The Lord's like, you slipped out of being gracious for yourself and actually you slowly let go of hope that this could be different. And you had actually settled. Where to me, I thought it was being gracious and kind wow. and honest, but he was like, you've actually just slowly let go of hope that this could look any different. And you just have like sat there. And I was like, oh, and I actually when I felt him be like, would you get your hopes up that this could be different, this area? And I, whoever whoever's out there listening, whatever area that is for you, like that you feel stuck, that you felt hopeless, like could you get your hopes up that it could be different. And it's interesting because in me going after like all my habits, I actually feel more. Yes, my laundry is done on a regular basis. Yes, my dishes are more done. (laughs) (laughs) I'm hosting a lot more, which is, or hosting a lot more because of that. But what I'm noticing is I'm living out of my purpose more than I ever have because I got my ducks in a row so that I could be headed somewhere. I'm not just like treading water, hoping my head doesn't go under. I I have this forward motion. So for me, one of the reasons that I wanted clean cleaner house was because I realized how I was hindering having people over. And I have a calling on my life to facilitate community. And if I don't have a space, oh God, I don't know why I feel teary. I was yeah. like, oh, if I don't have a space where I'm regularly inviting people over because I'm ashamed and it takes too much effort to get, it, I'm not living in my purpose. So I think sometimes we um, overcomplicate what li- living in your purpose is. but I'm like, someday our lives is going to be bigger and different than this. But I know like, we're going to have a big community, whatever that looks like. But I know that these Sunday afternoon picnics that I'm having at my house, because my house is clean enough, are part of the process. It's a habit of me getting there. I'm not just going to wake up and be this woman who is changing, you know, like a great, great audience. Like it starts here. It starts small. Like, will I be faithful with the small? So that's really the big difference of like, oh, like your habits lead you To be able to walk out your purpose, it's like the little action steps, one step at a time, towards your purpose. And then, and then, to have the other thing for like me with like the purpose behind habits is that having a thriving life, I think that's part of our testimony. And um, personally, I, I might get emotional. I have some really close, I have some really close family members who I'm believing that the Lord. Will like capture their heart, like ones that have been there before, ones who haven't ever known the Lord. And I've been praying for them for years, which I'm sure if you have one of those family members, you have two. But then more recently, I felt convicted from the Lord of like, hey, but yes, you're praying. And I love that. And that's good. Are you ready to do another area? And I was like, okay, what else? What does it look like for me partnering with you, like co laboring for their hearts to know you? And the Lord was like, what does your life look like? If your life is going to be a testimony, it needs to look different. Like it actually, the fruit of your life needs to pique the interest of non-believers. And if your family members are the non-believers, they get an up-close view of all the areas of your life. Not just like the church smile when you're waving, you know, like while you're walking out of church. like how you parent at Christmas, you know, late nights with your kids, how it goes down. Like they're getting the back behind the scenes view. And I had this conversation with one family member at like, a, like a couple years ago and they were like, I just don't see the difference. I see a bunch of rules and my friends and my community walk in love better than what I saw represented in the church. And I was like, oh, yeah, he's not seeing the fruit that makes the difference. Like what's, he's just hearing rules. He doesn't see the fruit of actually like the Holy Spirit transforming us. So then it just convicted me of like, oh, I want to live like that. I don't want to do it for like out of striving. I don't want to do it to pretend like I'm perfect, but my, I want my life to be appealing and pique the interest of like, what are you doing different? Mm-hmm. I know you talk about Jesus all the time, but your marriage looks like none that I've ever seen before. You guys respect, honor, love each other. You enjoy each other. You have fun together. Like, I don't see that in what I'm seeing in these relationships that get divorced every like five years. And I was like, oh, if I, I actually feel like this is part of my my life thriving because of a bunch of habits is part of my testimony of reflecting the difference of what it looks like to have, you know, the secrets off as, as Jesus. And if I'm honest... Does my look, my life look more appealing? Like, what's the state of my fruit? What's the state of the fruit of my marriage, in my community, my health, my parenthood, my finances? All these areas that I've built habits on. Like, what's the state of my fruit and being, like, actually, honestly assessing that? And not out of religious push to pretend to be perfect. Like, that's really a big difference for me. Like, I, for me, I desperately want those loved ones to see the fruit, and that's what, like, that's part of what draws them back. I want them to see the evidence, like, And I felt, I think I felt convicted a couple, like about a year and a half ago when I was having this conversation with the Lord, like, oh, I'm not being awesome advertisement for Jesus. Mm -hmm. Like some of these areas that are, I'm stuck and that I'm not thriving, like that's not appealing. They can find better elsewhere. Like, oh, do a work in this Lord where you're going to be the one who ultimately plants the seeds and bear the fruit. But like, what does me giving my two cents to this process like look like, like in that parable of, you know, the widow and the two pennies? I'm like, I've got 10 minutes, but I want a different marriage because I want it to look different than what the world has to offer. Like I want that love member. And it's been so cool have the last like visit that this family member came to visit. Afterwards, they were like, they called me up and they were like, I would love for you. I'm gonna, like, they don't love Jesus. They're like, <laughs> not in there at all. And they're like, hey, I have some friends whose marriages are really in pain. Like I want to pay for you and your husband to coach them because you have stuff that like they don't have. And I don't know anyone in my circles that have that and like and then ca- they call back up and they're like a couple months later like hey would you actually coach one of my friends in parenthood because like she's not st- thriving in motherhood and she just doesn't have any wow. examples and I like oh, I can feel it yeah I'm just like oh okay like this is the difference like this is gonna be part of the testimony if my life's meant to be a testimony like I need to get my habits in line so that my fruit lines up we all know that gardens just don't happen overnight there's the tilling there's the day in day out yeah. care that leads to the fruit. And at yeah. one point I was like, okay, Jesus, I don't want Walmart secondhand fruit anymore. <laughs> I want like whole foods, gorgeous tomatoes. Cause that's, what's going to turn their heads and be like, Oh, I haven't found this anywhere else. So I don't really believe what you believe, but what are you doing with marriage or what are you doing with motherhood? And like, I'm going to have my non-believers come to you because you have something we don't know yet.
0: I love that you have related that your habits reflect the fruit that you want to grow. So that becomes evangelistic, not by my habit is I'm going to go door to door. My habit is to post a spiritual thing online, but like actually authentically going after my behavior and my choices and my votes so that what I grow is undeniable without me having to preach it. Like that is brilliant. And I, I hope you guys can hear it today because- it is a heart thing. You know, we're talking yeah. about those, those two behavior things, your behavior habit and your mind habit. And honestly, what Jenna is kind of, and I feel like what you're doing, Jenna, is you're, you're help. You're telling us like, dig deeper, dig deeper. Don't just go, well, I'm going to make it my bed. So I get it. But like, why does it matter? What is your purpose? And if you have a purpose, which we believe you do a unique um, a unique role on the planet that only you can fill, we believe that, then your habits can actually vote for that or take away from it. Yeah. And you know, so much of, I agree, even in my own life, um, my, I almost want to say stupid, simple habits that I did early on, um, staying out of debt, um, stupid things. I mean, I lived at my parents' house in a room and it was not awesome, you know, at 23, 24 and I'm saving, but it worked to the, to my benefit. So I could go into marriage without debt. I mean, things like that, that you're like, again, I wasn't smart enough to know that's what I was doing. So don't get all like, wow, she's amazing. I didn't know, but those little habits allowed me to choose purpose quickly. Because I wasn't cleaning up the back. I wasn't being like, I got to go clean up all these other things. And so much of when God tells us to go, we're like, I will, but I forgot to get gas in my car. I forgot to clean it out. You know, I don't, I, I, my phone isn't charged. We just, we muddy up the purpose because we just aren't prepared. And it's that oil in your lamp. It's so When you're saying that, I was thinking of that parable. I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. It's the oil in your lamp and the cistern. And I um, happened to be, oh, this is amazing. I get to actually say this because it's such like a, wow. But I, we were at the Vatican this first time I've ever been in the Vatican. I would just like Aww. to say that's not, but we were at the Vatican this summer and there was these little oil lamps, um, that they had like a ton of them that were all historic. And I looked at it and the oil lamp was about the size of a hand. I didn't know this. And they were personal oil lamps. And I went, oh, that's what he meant when he said, to the virgins, right. Or the people that were preparing for Jesus to come back, keep your oil lamp filled. Mm -hmm. It was a, it was a hand size, a personal hand, like holding oil lamp. And I think that's what habits do is it allows us to have that, that Mm -hmm. lamp filled and ready. So when he comes, we don't miss it. We're not going back to clean out the car, right. Or we're not going back going, oh shoot, I should have been there. So I hope that you guys got what we're trying to, you know, I hope you picked up what we're trying to throw down because that is really critical. I, I love the whole concept of you and your family member. Like, you know, that's just instead of being ashamed that, oh, wow, I wish I could preach better or do this better. You dug deep and went, I'm going to make my behavior be so fantastic and so authentic and so not motivated by shame, but motivated by hope, which you said, I'm going to yeah. find hope for this again. Um, I just, I loved it. I love that. And I just want to say this, even prophetically over you that are, that are listening today, um, that the Holy Spirit is saying, get your hopes up. Yeah. Like we, I just felt it when you said it, Jenna, I'm like, there's life on that. The areas where you are defeated, you are discouraged. You're, you are honestly despondent. You just go, I don't know how it's going to fix this. I don't know how I'm going to get, you know, they're gone or this isn't going to work. I just get your hopes up. and, And what can I do? How do I get my hopes up? You get your habits, right? Because your habits are votes to hope your habits are votes to your future. So,
1: and that's, and I love to, the, the, I think the hopeful part is too. it's only your two cents as the widow. It's not like we yes. have to show up, but God's can multiply. Like I keep seeing that in all the areas of these habits. It's not been like Jenna's ran a marathon and this and this, and that's why she's experiencing it. like I've given two cents. Like even with my relationship with the Lord, it started with a five minute walk because that's all I had at that point. I was just so far off and now it's so much more, but I'm like, Oh it can actually be so easy he just wants us to show up and co-labor get your hopes up but you, all you have to give is two cents
0: that's it and I hope you guys captured that. That's what I love about this. Jenna, I love this conversation. I cannot wait to continue this next week. You guys, thanks for jumping in, listening with us. If you if this spoke to you, leave us a comment. Let us know what you liked or why it spoke to you or maybe a question that you have. We will read all of those and make sure that we um, answer anything that's there. And um, if nothing else, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's as we jump back into Purpose Driven Habits with Jenna Zent.